Hi. New York, New York. 10036. Pro country. What you see is what you get. Hell has no fury. He drives the most expensive car because second best never enters his mind. Of all the billions of planets in space, only one is off limits to man. It all began with a curse. The evil you did this day will be avenged. A curse. From the mists of infinity, they come, rising from the cold, damp earth to take what is now theirs. You are in a room filled with your friends, but they are all dead. Night, when the earth is quiet and the good people of the world are sleeping. The night visitor comes to call. The streets have been taken over by thieves, dope addicts, rapists, muggers. We live in fear. One man is doing something about it. These are the sounds of six feet of silver death. Grindhouse Purgatory, 42nd Street, Pete. Let's dip our toe back into the purgatory that is the Grindhouse with 42nd Street Pete. How you doing? Oh. How you doing this week, Pete? Still all cranky? No, I'm fucking fine. It's it's nice. It's warm in here. Actually, there's no fucking snow in the horizon. Summer's actually finally here. How is that different than the summers you used to spend on 42nd Street? Are are you different now as a movie goer? Do you still look for new movies or are you just kind of one of those, I just want to watch the movies I grew up on, I don't like the new stuff? Like, are you going to be in line for Captain America Civil War, or are you just like, fuck that? No, if I can find it on a, on a, on a bootleg at a flea market, I'll buy it, but, you know, other than that. I mean, you know, you know, I got to understand something, too. A lot of this shit with this wham-bam-slam shit, you know, it goes way too fast for my old eyes to really follow sometimes. And I'm not averse to shit. I mean, I just picked up uh, Jurassic World and the, the Mad Max movie because I wanted to... I n- never saw the Jurassic World. And, you know, when dinosaurs are eating people, I think that's kind of fucking cool. And I saw, you know, Road uh, Fury Road in the theaters, and I wanted to own the fucking thing. So, you know, I'm not averse to certain stuff, but just there's so much crap out there. And just like, you know, don't forget, in my day when a movie came out, usually it hung around for a week or two. It wasn't just like, and out, and then DVD. So, you know, that's the big difference there. Do you think something has changed with the perception of, I guess, what we'd call the exploitation film? I mean, when a movie like Mad Max Fury Road is winning Oscars, and this is a hard, hard R, this is, an, this is a 70s exploitation movie done in the digital oh, yeah. age. Is, right, exactly. is, is something good or bad about Fury Road winning Oscars? Oh, it's great. You know, it's great that, you know, something like that won an Oscar. I, I love it. You know, you know, but, you know, don't forget any any great idea that Hollywood ever had. They stole from the exploitation people. That's been a given in many, in many instances. You know, th- that's where the whole thing, if you read Gary Kent's book, um, you know, about his career, he'll tell you right, right then and there. They were doing stuff that Hollywood couldn't do. And eventually Hollywood had to come around to their way of thinking and, you know, sort, sort of like, you know, show some ass, so to speak, and start doing what the exploitation guys were doing, but they were doing it on a larger scale, and that's basically what killed off the exploitation film anyway. Well, yeah, Roger Corman is on record saying that when Star Wars and Jaws came out, that, and I quote, the big boys have finally caught on. 
Yeah, exactly. Because those were grindhouse movies. Those were exploitation movies. Those were drive-in movies that happened to be done on budgets people like Corman and Charles Band could never have touched. Yeah, and Bill, Bill Greffi had told me that, uh, you know, he did Mako Jaws of Death. Well, he said he had that, that thing on the back burner for years because nobody wanted to touch it. He goes, but as soon as Jaws hit, they were all calling up. You still got that shark thing we can do? And, and in his film, you know, Bill's great. They used real fucking tiger sharks. Oh, th- th- there's a scene in that where Richard Jekyll jumps into the water at the end after he takes the amulet off. Those are clearly sharks really biting on, I don't know if it's him or the or a stuntman. You could never do that today. Oh, no. They, they, these guys, see, that's the beauty of all the exploitation guys that, you know, the, and that's where I have my big fights with all these younger guys is they did it because it, it worked because it had never been done before. And, you know, like we had that whole thing about Eli Roth and, you know, Green Inferno and shit like that. The only reason that shit worked and the only reason it had an impact was because nobody had ever done it before. And that's that goes with all the exploitation stuff. Doing all this weird shit. I mean, you know, how many rattlesnakes did they fucking kill during the filming of Stanley? You couldn't get away with that today. Now, personally, when it comes to the animal deaths, I have issues with that. I don't think an yeah. animal should ever have to die for a movie. I figured yeah. that you can do with special effects. For instance, like the movie Shark's Treasure. It's a fine movie. But they even advertise right in there that Jaws was fake. This is real. And they're showing them shooting sharks in the face with spear guns. And I'm like, no, fuck you. You should not be killing sharks for your movie. Yeah, well, they they even had. Uh, I'm trying to think. I just I just was re- watching a documentary on them. Uh, they had to go get a bunch of dead sharks for for uh, Mako too. There was a scene on the boat with uh, John Davis Chandler and uh, Harold Sakata that they were supposedly killing sharks and yanking them on board. But the sharks they bought the dead sharks from some fishing place or something. Right, and I, I'm okay with that if you're buying the already dead animal. And Pete's token up if you can't tell. Essentially, what should be grindhouse movies, exploitation movies in other media? For instance, last week you brought up a, a big Nazi exploitation men's magazine cover that you cobbed for the new issue of Grindhouse Purgatory. Yeah. Those men's magazines really were the Grindhouse movies before the Grindhouse movies, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those were, like, forbidden. I couldn't grab them when I was a kid. So, you know, now, now they're, like, um, they're really rare. I, you know, I, I guess you could, you know, I, they put out a whole book, Men's Adventure. That's where I got the cover from big hardcover book but yeah those were all taboo and you know what else was okay here's another you know going back to that the tabuloids when i was growing up were completely like grindhousey because the national Enquirer didn't have like tell all things about celebrities and shit it had like i cut out her heart and stomped on it or man eats baby werewolves are real vampires drink blood in south america to me like those old men's magazines i have some of those those are some pretty hardcore shit aren't they I mean, you'd oh, yeah, be surprised, but if people read those today, you know, everyone thinks of the 40s when they look at the films, they're kind of sanitized and safe. You read some of those old pulps and you're like, holy shit, this is graphic. Oh, yeah. I, I picked up, oh, jeez, I'm trying to think, uh, a few weird little things uh, that were, you know, back from back in the day, and I'm like, wow, they really pushed the fuck, you know, like today you can write anything, you know, uh, oh, they, I just fucked a goat and then had sex with my mother, you know, shit like that. But back then you really couldn't do that much shit, but it would go under the guise of, you know, a detective mystery or something like that. And I don't think books were really regulated. They were more 
Back, I remember back in the fifties, the, the big the big thing was the EC Comics. They went after that with a fucking vengeance. That was another one. But uh, books, I don't think they were that closely regulated, except you know there were you know the the porn books, which you know were you know, sold under the counter or behind the counter. Well, you you brought up EC Comics, the comic books. Those EC Comics were lurid, weren't they? Oh, they were fucking great. Well, I, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I mean, yeah. yeah, they were great, but they were really, really graphic, even by today's standards to some degree. Oh, yeah, but, you know, don't forget, they had some great budding artists back then. You know, wasn't Frazetta involved in that and Wally Wood and a bunch of people like that? You, you have these other medias like like novelizations. Yeah. They novelized slasher movies. And somehow the novelization versions are more hardcore than what you see on the screen. Well, here's one. I don't know if you ever you ever see these. Back, back now, I know Reptilicus was one of them, and they used to do it with some westerns. Um, I remember the Reptilicus one because they basically Reptilicus had a softcore porn scene in it. it. It was the weirdest thing in the book, not in the movie. And Barcaro had a rape scene in it. And it was a bunch of weird shit because they, they always have a tie-in paperback. You, you know, there was actually a book series of The Man With No Name? I didn't know that. I, I do know that, speaking of Clint Eastwood, that there were a bunch of Dirty Harry novels that came out in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Well, Dirty Harry was based on a novel. No, but I mean, his continuing adventures before there were sequels in the movies. Okay. There were I, his I continuing adventures in novels. And, you know, you had John Rambo. Before Rambo 2, first, before First Blood Rambo 2 came out, there were like four novels that came out with John Rambo. These things used to be a viable medium that yeah, it, I, it, to I, continue. I didn't, I didn't, that was 80s stuff. I didn't see that. I saw it like when I was a kid growing up and then, you know, you know, then there was, you know, the, the corner store stocked paperbacks. So you, you got your books there. You know, it wasn't like you had to go to Barnes and Noble and shit like that. So, you know, whatever was current would be in, in the corner store that week and gone the next week. Same with the monster magazines and shit like that. But, yeah, there was, there, there was some graphic shit in there that was never in the movie. And it was like, OK, I think Gorgo was another one they novelized. It had some weird shit in it, too. Because yeah. you have these uh, these other mediums that people forget about. Like, like even television, when it, when a grindhouse movie or an exploitation movie went to television, in a lot of cases, they, obviously they had to cut stuff out, like, you know, tits and saying fuck and stuff like that. Yeah. But they would sometimes put stuff back in. So you would see scenes you'd never seen before when you saw it on television. That's also another lost art, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, they had... Um... It was Beast from Haunted Cave. They had to shoot additional footage to put that on TV. When they picked it up as a TV package, they had to bring these guys back and shoot some, shoot about five, ten minutes of them puttering around in the house. They had to it. Because don't forget, a lot of a lot of this stuff, you know, that was shot in in the 50s and 60s, you know, the black and white, the driving things, those things, you know, didn't run that, that long over an hour, you know, to put them on a double bill. So for TV package, they had to pad it out so they could run 90 minutes with commercials. So if the thing only ran 60 minutes, nobody's going to put up with a half hour of fucking commercials. Well, we do now, but you know, back then they wouldn't. Do you, do you think it's really changed now with, and I hate to keep harping on this, but like the Netflix generation, do you think that, do you think that if all of a sudden, say, say the Chiller channel, which I'm not really behind at all, but just as an example, the Chiller channel would be the exclusive 
have an exclusive movie that you can only get there. You can't stream it. You can't get it on Netflix. You can't buy it on DVD. It's a chiller exclusive. You have to watch the channel. You think that's even a viable option anymore, or is streaming nah. just nah, somebody, would, somebody would steal the fucking thing. You know it, and I know it. Somewhere or another, there's there's no protecting your 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 intellectual property anymore because somebody's going to steal it. We we both know what happened with my shit and everybody else's shit. There's there's no way you can protect it. I mean, come on. The 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 uh, I'm trying to think what the fuck the, the oh it was some movie that they were oh. Trying to think who was bitch. Oh, the Expendables. That was the 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 third Expendables one. That fucking thing with the the, the uh, whatever the screener was that went to the Oscars or something. I don't know how they worked this. That fucking thing was at a flea market for five hours widescreen. Mm-hmm. So th- there's no way you're protecting any of this shit. Once somebody, there's so many greedy, unscrupulous people in the entertainment business and in the world in general that like you know. When I was growing up as a kid, you know, this this shit would never happen. Nobody nobody fucking ripped everybody off and shit. It was rare occurrences, you know, there were fucking, you know, borderline criminals and things, but it wasn't as nuts as it is today. Now everybody's trying to get over everybody else, especially in this business. Well, but then but then you also have like the recent incident that Shout Factory had with Brain That Wouldn't Die, where the Brain That Wouldn't Die is a well known public domain film. Right. A horror host named Dr. Gangrene showed the movie on his show which he also linked to his YouTube account. So he had the movie, this public domain movie with his new segments on it on his YouTube account. He got flagged by Shout Factory claiming that they owned this public domain movie because they own the Mystery Science Theater version of it. So they seem to think that they own every version of this public domain movie. Synapse put it out before they did in in a window. Rhino put it out before Synapse did. You know, this is what kills me. If these movies meant so much to anybody, why the fuck didn't they copyright it? Some of these things have been floating. Synapse has the best version because it has the cat fight back in. But, I mean, what I I mean, though, is, Pete, is the balls of Shout Factory to try and say, we own this public domain movie because something we own did a version of it. Because, no, the Mystery Science Theater guys are not at fault here at all. I want to be clear. Right. They they only were trying to the Mystery Science Theater guys claim that their version with their comments and stuff on it they copywrote, which is how that works. Fine. Yeah. It was Shout Factory saying, because we own the Mystery Science Theater stuff, or we have distribution rights to it, that no one else gets to use brain that wouldn't die. Dr. Gangrene had to fight it through three appeals before they finally went oh, we're sorry. And then, of course, it once it came out, they were like, no, this was all automated. We never tried to claim this. Bullshit. Yeah. It's the same thing that just happened on Family Guy. There was a YouTube clip of an old Nintendo game. Family Guy used that clip verbatim, and then Fox sent a takedown to the original clip saying, now it's part of Family Guy, so we own it. That's what's happening today, Pete. And well, I think that's corporate, the exploitation America. That's corporate, that's corporate yeah. America. They just hit you in the face with their huge balls and say, fuck you. That's what they do. But it, didn't, mean, use, I, I, it yeah. didn't used to be like that, is, is what well, I was you know trying what, to get I told, to. I, you know what I told somebody, and you know, I don't give a fuck. Anybody can interpret this any way you want. I told somebody to, if they ever hear of me being bad-mouthed about a fucking release or you know, not owning the rights to it or something like that, please print that you know, thing out and mail it to me, get it to me somehow, because I'm going to go back to old school because I'm fucking sick and tired of this internet fucking bullshit. Because I, cert- I know where certain people congregate now. 
that I would walk up to this party and drop this fucking thing on the table in front of him and just look at him and smile and go, pick a hand. And I'm sure I'll get the dumb look, and then I'm just going to bitch slap the fucking teeth out of his mouth and walk away. That's all. And as far as me getting in trouble for it, I'll have 15 fucking people swearing I was in the goddamn room when it happened. So, yeah, that's old school. That's how we used to handle shit. You didn't, you didn't, this ripoff culture or this, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, wasn't as pervasive back then. No, you know, you know what would happen? If you got caught doing this shit, and this is, this is very simple because, okay, you know, I, I work for New York City liquidators, right? And he was a bootlegger. He was doing a bunch of shit. Well, I'm a chiller and Dave Friedman standing there and he walked by and Dave Friedman goes, that little bastard ought to have his legs broken. He goes, back in the day, he would. That's how they handled shit back then because, you know, everybody sits behind the internet and makes their little snide comments and rips people off and thinking they'll never get hurt. Back in the day, you got fucking hurt and it didn't happen again. And as far as the internet goes, there was a site called the Declaration of Independence. It was a wrestling site and it got quite out of hand. Well, somebody was ragging on two independent wrestlers. One of them was named the Wife Beater. The other one was named Nate Hatred. And these guys went over to the guy's house and beat the fuck out of him. And that was that. So that's how shit happens. You can only push shit so far and run your mouth so fucking long. Then something happens to you. Hey, I ran my mouth one time. I got beat up. Well, because of the internet. That was supposed to dissuade me from being me and speaking my mind and speaking out about the way the fans were treated at, at, at certain venues. And the, what, the, the funny part was it just boosted my fucking thing. Even as much as certain people tried to keep me down for, you know, years ago, it, it just boosted me because I took the fucking hit and said, well, fuck you. Now I just proved my point that what I'm saying infuriates people that I'm saying it about because they're in the fucking wrong. And I'm not saying anything fucking bad about it. I'm just telling you the fucking truth. And I was telling the truth. And certain people couldn't fucking handle it. Well, so. do you think do you think all the infighting within the and I just I'm going to use the term grindhouse culture. Do you think all the infighting between you know you've got vinegar syndrome fighting with grindhouse releasing, fighting with Shout Factory, fighting with Synapse and whatnot? Do you think all of these different companies and all on who, who's fighting with who now? I don't really keep up on the, this you know thing. Everybody's fighting with everyone else that, you know, this company's not a real grindhouse company because we've you got know these. Fuck and... that. Somebody ought to just sit down and look at certain people and say, okay, produce the fucking paperwork that proves you have the rights to certain shit. Because I can, I'm, like, again, I'm not going to mention the company because I don't need any fucking heat. And it'll also blow the fucking whistle on something I'm involved in. But yeah. Pull out the fucking paperwork, motherfucker, and prove you own the goddamn thing, and prove it wasn't a fucking bullshit deal or some kind of fucking coercion with somebody, because I see a lot of shit out there that I don't think certain people fucking own, that nobody has the rights to, and nobody's saying nothing, but all of a sudden, these people are getting their dicks sucked big time by the fans, because, quote, they're the new fucking cool kids. No, you're not the new cool kids. You're a bunch of fucking thieving ripoffs, and sooner or later, the shit's gonna come to fruition, and motherfucker, you ain't gonna have a place to hide. Do you think that that bootleg culture is kind of I mean, you and I were both bootleggers. I bootlegged in the 90s. You bootlegged in the 70s and 80s. Do you think that we're kind of partially responsible for this? Everything should be free on YouTube kind of culture. No, because, you know, whatever YouTube. But that, that, don't forget, back in the day, there was no other venue to find half this shit than if you bought a bootleg. That's you know? true. But we were still technically criminals, weren't we? Oh, whatever. How much money did you really make doing this shit? I'm not going to say on the air. 
Well, I didn't make I didn't make shit. Basically, the reason I did it was because to supplement my own video store. Because I had fucking customers that were looking for shit like Cannibal Holocaust, Jungle Holocaust, the Nazi shit, and it wasn't available. And Luminous Film and Video Works had import versions of them off Japanese Laserdisc, and I bought these at fucking shows and copied them and, and took care of my customers with it. Uh, the only thing I bootlegged and made money on was Tanya Harding's wedding and the Pam and Tommy Lee tape. I made money on that, but. Other than that, you know, it was just a fucking convenience for my customers. Well, doesn't it say something, or should, let me rephrase that, shouldn't it say something to the distributors when, and I'm talking about the VHS era here, when, for instance, Seven Doors of Death is not selling great on VHS, but bootlegs of the uncut Japanese Laserdisc on VHS of the Beyond are selling ten times what Seven Doors of Death is, shouldn't that tell the distributor... Maybe we should release the fucking thing uncut. Yeah, well, the whole the whole thing was that the distributor in this country didn't have the fucking thing, you know, uncut. That was the problem because don't forget, there was the other than genitalia, there was no censorship over in Japan at all with any of this shit. So whatever shitty print we got in past the MPAA, that was the master they used. So I can't fault them. But, you know, the whole thing with, you know, here's, here's one, you know, Universal wasn't really given a flying shit and wasn't putting that in any of their, like, you know, beeline horror movies, like The Thing That Couldn't Die and uh, Monolith Monsters and shit like that, until they busted six fucking guys that advertised in Film Facts for selling them. Then they realized it was a market for the fucking shit. Oh, yeah, I ran into the same thing. When I was a bootlegger, this might be super nerdy, but one of my biggest sellers was Dungeons and Dragons, the old 80s cartoon. That's... Yeah. 20, 20, 27 episodes of a th of a 30-minute cartoon. Nobody was putting these out on DVD. Nobody was putting them out on VHS. The company that owned them was even asked by a magazine, and they said, we have no plans to put these out. I couldn't make copies fast enough, Pete, that I yeah. was selling on eBay and Amazon. I couldn't keep up with demand for these, and the companies were like, we have no plans to put these out at any time. The f they should shouldn't they listen to the fans? If the fans want something, shouldn't it come out? Well, th they don't. That's the fucking problem. It's it's whatever you know. The people that are making decisions, and and this is why a lot a lot you know. I'll give you an example. Remember when they were all creaming their jeans because they came out with the restored good, the bad, and the ugly, which put back you know the the big scenes with Levi and Cleef that have been taken out. I, I do. Okay. Well. I wrote a thing to Sony saying that basically, you know, you're sitting on this library of stuff and there's a lot of Lee Van Cleef films in there and why aren't they fucking released? Well, I'm not saying it had anything to do with me, but three months later, the Sabata box set comes out. So they're fucking dumb. They don't know what people want. All they know is they're, they're what their bottom line is, they're looking at, you know, I may be wrong on this, as, as, you know, as, assumption, but I think they're looking bottom line at what the fucking thing did theatrically and how much it's going to do on home video. If some, you know... A lot of in a lot of cases, and we both know this, there's been fucking films that have tanked theatrically, but have done fucking box office on home video. Go, yeah. go back to 1984, Pete. Buckaroo Bonsai across the Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai across the Eighth Dimension, the amazing Peter Weller movie, tanked at the box office. Until The Matrix came out, it was the highest selling videotape of all time, or the movie of all time, not counting like Jane Fonda's workout and shit. You know what I mean. That was that was the whole thing. A lot. There was, even, Repo Man's another one. Repo Man didn't even get a general theatrical release. They threw it on a fucking midnight circuit, but it did great on fucking home video. Yeah, and 
the companies don't seem to realize that. They look at a really strange bottom line. There are, there are cartoons that are heavily clamored for today that are the, the top of people's why won't you release this list? And they're like, we have no plans to release this at this time. And you got to go, well, okay, at that point, maybe it's a rights issue. Otherwise, why? Why not? Yeah. No, there's you know there's a lot of other things too. Music has a lot to do with it too. You know, yeah, the, the music like rights when yeah when I was talking to the Vinegar Syndrome guys, there's a reason that some of their classic porns are available for streaming only because to put them out on DVD, they can't reacquire the music rights that the porno films used illegally in the first place. So yeah. there can legally be no DVD release ever of some of those classic porns. Well, actually, there can. You have to do. See, this is this is where we got shit with uh, after hours and things like that. We had to remove the, that that music and put another music. And but, you, but then the fans it, hate. It, yeah, the fans hate that though. Well, well, you know something. Fuck the fans. Let the fans fucking deal with Universal when you take the music for Psycho or any of this other shit. That that's what they don't fucking understand is, and they're not in the business, and they should have no right to even fucking make the call on this shit. If you want to deal with the lawsuits that are involved in this shit, then you put the goddamn thing out like that. We, anything that was put out by me or, or, or Pop Center or any of them guys, they had to go through the thing and make sure the damn music wasn't even copywritten. I had to take that, that music from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly out of The Flesh of the Lotus, the John Holmes film. Killed me to do it, but we had to do it. Well, yeah, Shout Factory just got in trouble last year for that. They had announced, and they even had, from what I understand, pressed the Blu-rays to put out Jaws 5 Cruel Jaws on Blu-ray until fans pointed out to them, how did you clear all the uses of them using the Star Wars soundtrack and the Miami Vice soundtrack and footage from Jaws and things? And they're like, what are you talking about? And then their lawyers looked at it. We talked about Grindhouse Purgatory. The magazine. Where can people find that and where can people contact you? Uh, you can get me at 40deuce at hotmail.com. You can buy the magazine off Amazon. All seven issues are available there. And, you know, that's that's the best way to get it print on demand. You can get it direct from me, eight bucks shipped. I only have, like, the last, you know, the last, uh, you know, six and seven, you know, issues six. And I don't know it. I only got issues four and seven now. So... This has been a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.